Father, we do thank you for the revelation of your goodness to us, both in the word and in practice, by your provision, by your grace to us in so many different ways. So we thank you that we celebrate in that this morning. Uh, bless us as we come to your word now to look at it together. May we uh, learn from you and be enriched by your presence here among us. Amen. You may be seated. <clears throat> Today's the last in a series of sermons that you probably weren't even realized was a series. <laughs> in my head, it's been a series. We haven't kind of announced it that way, but it's all been connected since the beginning of January. It's all connected in these themes of who we are as a people, where we're going, how we're going to get there. Uh, we started out at the beginning of January thinking through the church, a people being built together into the dwelling in which God lives by His Spirit. What does that look like? We thought about our upward focus, our inward focus, and our outward focus as a people. And then uh, Dwayne led us through a sermon. He didn't even know he was a part of the series, but he just connected it beautifully because he talked about what it is to partner in the gospel coming out of Philippians chapter 1. What that meant in a whole variety of different ways. It's at the heart of who we are as a people and where our, our, uh, our, our, our minds and our hearts and our spiritual journey is taking us. And then last Sunday, we had a prayer service, very intentionally, elders calling us together to pray, to really be aware of how much we need God to be at work among us, how much we need God to be moving and directing us. We prayed for the spirit of wisdom and revelation that we might know God better, and that we might know the hope of his calling and the riches of his inheritance and the saints that he has called us to be and the power of God at work among us. All of this so that we can move together into his vision for who we are in the north end and what we will continue to be as a church uh, planted here. And so then this week, I'm going to finish off this series of kind of self-reflection, mutual preparation by encouraging us to look forward and again, pray for the future, but have a sense of how God leads us together in all this. And then just so you know what's coming, we're going to have a few uh, special speakers coming up in the next uh, few weeks. After that, we're into the season of Lent, which is a preparation for Easter. And we're going to put together some uh, sermons that help us to reflect on what it is that Christ and his death and his resurrection, that that is all for us to know in ourselves. Paul in Philippians said, I want to know Christ and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of sharing in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, and so somehow to attain to the resurrection from the dead. Just a wonderful period of time for us to really reflect on what it is for us to be followers of Christ and in all of that fullness that we share in who he is and what he's done and what he's accomplished for us. So all of that's coming up and of course it ends at Easter when we just celebrate together that he died but he rose again. So there's in a nutshell. I'm looking forward to it. I hope you are. We'll all be together for this. But today, laying some groundwork for the days of change ahead. And to do that, I'm going to take us to the first chapter of the book of Joshua. encourage you to look it up in your Bibles. I'm going to have some of the scriptures up on the screens for you. But if you've got uh, your device with you, you can look that up. If you've got your actual Bible with you, encourage you to do that. I'm going to overview the chapter for us, pick up some principles for times of spiritual refreshment and uh, change that I think takes place in this very first chapter of Joshua. 
The reason I'm going to this chapter is because it was fascinating to me how this passage came up a number of times, kind of in that period right after Dwayne announced his resignation. After 29 years of leading this church and being such a vital part of who we are, that resignation came as a shock and, and just a lot of us, a lot of different emotions. And in a variety of meetings and in individual conversations, I was just amazed how many times this passage came up for people. This passage came up as one of those passages that somehow was a connecting point for people. And I realized that somehow it was a touchstone for us. Do you know what a touchstone is? Not touchdown. I know some of you are already into the game this afternoon, right? Touchstone, right? A touchstone. I, I actually had to look it up. It's a word I used from time to time. And as I got thinking about it when I said this, that this passage is a touchstone, I thought, what, what actually is that? I think I know what I'm talking about. So I looked it up, and it has a fascinating history. It's one of those ideas you've heard, and, and this is what I found out this week. A touchstone is a standard of value or quality against which something is measured. Where it comes from is back in the 16th century, that they used to use a special stone, a touchstone, which contained a high silica content. Don't ask me to explain the chemistry of this. Apparently, it was a black rock. And what they used to do was they would guard against counterfeit coins with it. Because if you have the touchstone, you could take a coin, and if you, had, if you had pure gold, you would rub it on the stone. And if you had a coin that wasn't, it was purported to be gold, you could rub it on the stone, and it comes out a different color. Incredible. Worked with gold and silver. It was the touchstone. It's how they were able to understand if something was being passed off as authentic and it wasn't. And merchants used and tested the purity of cones by rubbing them on the touchstone. It disclosed the true value of the coin. One of the articles I read said it actually is used in some parts of the world still today. They still check out coinage by rubbing it on the touchstone. Now, what that came to mean is that a touchstone is that, that reference point. It's an evaluating point. It's determining the quality, the excellence of something. So it's really become to represent the things in life that we do to regain direction and we find our focus. We compare it to the touchstone. And that's what this passage is. People read this and somehow it resonated and said, this is where we need to find ourselves. This resonates as truth. This resonates with how God can relate to us during these times. And so I just want to kind of pull out kind of three ideas of touchstone out of this passage for us as we look at it this morning to help kind of regain our direction and focus and to think what was so grounding about this account. So let's begin it together. Joshua 1, and just let me read together, or read for you the first few verses. It begins with, After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord. That's the big context, right? That's the, that's the big thing that's taken place here. Moses is dead. You, you need to understand that. I, I, it sounds like the Christmas carol. You need to understand that if the rest of this is going to make sense, right? Moses is dead, God's servant. He says it in the, second, in the second verse again. The Lord said to Joshua, Moses is eight, Moses, my servant, is dead. You catch hold of that? Now, if you were 
living in Israel, and you've just gone through 40 years of following Moses in the wilderness. You followed Moses out of Egypt. He threw him as the law, threw him as the offerings, threw, you know, what Moses represented, this humongously important prophet for God's people. He's dead. What's next? Right? Huge changes are coming on the horizon. There's a new leader. They've wandered in the desert, and they're now at the Jordan River looking into the promised land. And God says, Moses is dead. And then, now then, you and all these people get ready to cross the Jordan River. <laughs> Whew. Like there's some tall stuff going on in the lives of these people. I mean, there is, there is people in the land that are probably going to be warring with them. There's anticipation. There's nerves. There's anxiety. There's excitement. It's all running through the camp. And God says, now, I need you to understand this. So get ready to cross the Jordan River. And look what he begins to say. Into the land I am about to give to them, the Israelites. I will give you every place where you set your foot, as I promised Moses. Your territory will extend from the desert to Lebanon, from the great river, the Euphrates, all the Hittite country, to the Mediterranean Sea in the west. No one will be able to stand against you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will never leave you nor forsake you. Be strong and courageous because you will lead these people to inherit the land I swore to their ancestors to give them. The first touchstone moment, how to retain our direction and our focus, this. Be confident. But be confident in what? Be confident in the promises and character of God. I think you can check out what the Lord's really reminding them of as he says, get ready to go in the land, this huge task in front of them, Slaves wandering for 40 years, farmers, shepherds. And I think you see it in all of those I am statements in those uh, first few verses. Look how he puts it all. I've been on some cold medication. Does your mouth get dry too? <laughs> if you're doing a lot of talking, I know you aren't doing a lot of talking. I am. Look at all the I am's, he says. He says, get ready to cross the Jordan River and go into the land. I am about to give it to you. I will give you every place where you set your foot. I promised Moses as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will never leave you or forsake you. You're going to lead these people into the land I swore to their ancestors. You know, an incredible promise of God. A promise made with oath to their ancestors. God is putting his character of faithfulness on the line for them. He's saying, this is what I am going to be doing. And as you are moving this direction in the land, he's putting his character on the line and he calls them to base their coming actions on who they know him to be. He's reminding them, this is who I am. I am the God of character. I am the God of holiness. I am the God of wonder. But I am the God of faithfulness. I am the God of direction. I am the God who will walk with you. You will know my presence. 
He's reminding them that he is the one behind all that they are going into. This is his promise to them. And I think that as we come into moments of change and transition and as we proceed forward, we need to be reminding ourselves who our God is. And as I say that, we need to be careful with this because we need to remind and rehearse who he is. We need to to share with each other how God reveals himself. But I also need to be aware that I need to... uh, Remind, remind myself of who God really is, not who I think he is. Because sometimes I think of God because of how I have experienced God. And I don't know about you, but sometimes my experience with God, I'm disappointed. Right? I, I get disappointed with God because I can think of God as less than who he is because my perceived disappointments I haven't always had my prayers answered the way that I think God should be answering my prayers. My life hasn't always lined up the way that I would have planned it out. You know, as I've laid it out before God, and I think, God, are you not able to take care of these things for me? (laughs) You know, God, why is this not working? What Jesse started the service off this morning. You know, that to you, God, be the glory. And we get it flipped sometime. You know, to me be the glory, and you provide it. And I need to understand that as I think about who God is, I need to understand who God is based on the revelation of who he is, of who he's revealed himself to be through scripture, and I believe through his people. And it's why we so much need each other. We need each other to keep ourselves in check. Because sometimes the root cause of my woundedness, my spiritual woundedness, my my stunted growth is because... I get disappointed with God. And the enemy loves to dig in there. The enemy loves to dig in on those little moments. Do you remember what he did with Adam and Eve? Did God really say? Is this who God really is? Can God really do this? And in those moments, my my doubts can overwhelm me. My sense of my own misperceptions about who God is or my expectations begin to take hold and somehow my growth seems to stagnate stagnate and as I as I grow away from God I think God is leaving me when all the time it's my heart is somehow getting behind this bondage or blockage or however we want to call it And so God in this moment is stepping forward and saying, I am, I will, I've promised. And go back to those things that God has shown us to be true. Go back to those moments to what God has said is for real. And I need to be reminded that through scripture. I need to be reminded of that through you. I need to know your stories that remind me of God's faithfulness and provision and of the trust that I can have in him. But you might be saying, you know, Joshua 1, well, that's great. This was for Joshua. God was giving some very specific promises to those people. You know, I will never never leave you or forsake you. I never left Moses. And we say, yeah, it's, it's those promises. Do they still hold? Wow, we can do a whole study on that. I got just a few select verses to remind us this morning, just for a sense of who we are as a people before God. Matthew 28 as Jesus was, was leaving this earth and he's looking at his disciples and he's preparing them for all that's ahead. Remember he said, all authority has been given to me. 
go make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Spirit. Teach them to obey everything I have commanded you, and surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. See, when we are in God's work, when we are doing what we have been called to do, Jesus says, I'm right there with you. This is his continuing promise that we can know and appreciate the presence of God. John 20, 21, Jesus again at the end of the Gospels there with the disciples. What does he say to them? He says, peace be with you as he appears to them. Then he says, as the Father has sent me, I'm sending you. Stop and dwell on the significance of that. Jesus has been sent by the Father into this world, the incarnation of God to walk among the world that they might know the gospel, that they might know the salvation that comes through him. And he's been sent for this purpose. And Jesus says in the same way that Father sent me, I'm sending you. And that's one of those commissioning kind of prayers that I believe is passed through the disciples. As we are sent by him, we are continually being sent. Why would I say that? You go to Acts 1.8. And Acts 1.8, as he speaks to the disciples, and as they're preparing, and they're looking up into heaven, and they're, they've seen Jesus go, he's saying in that moment of his ascension, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes in you, and you will be my witnesses in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. You will receive power. You will receive the gift of God's Spirit. That takes us back to that whole inward approach that we are being built up together into the dwelling of God in which He lives by His Spirit. This is the promise of God to us. He is present with us. And we can look to that presence being among us. And then in Matthew 16, 18, I just pull out this phrase that when Peter was making his great confession of who Jesus is. And Jesus looks at him and says, Peter, you know, you're the rock. And on this rock and this promise, he says, and I will build my church. And the gates of Hades, the gates of hell will not stand against it. That's the promise. Jesus is building his church. And it's for us to get alongside of him and how he's building it. You know, to watch what he is accomplishing and what he is doing, to, to become part of all that he desires for us to become. He's our foundation. And we go back to him where we can find our refuge and our rock and stand firm in his purposes. See, he has ordained this church for his purposes. He has gathered us as his people. And he will be with us as we trust him and move forward with him in faith. It's what he's called us to. Henry Blackaby's a, a writer, writes a lot on just spiritual journey and kind of spiritual discipline type of things. And in one of his uh, writings, just a phrase that I've often gone back to, this whole idea of when we're listening to God, that when we're listening to God and when God calls us to do something or God speaks to our heart, we need to simply keep doing what he's given us to do until he tells us otherwise. Right? He uses the story of Abraham as an example. Abraham was told, you're going to give you a child, Abraham. How long was it till the child was born? 25 years. But Abraham, just do what I've given you to do. Prepare. You know, you're going to be blessed. 
I think we lose timelines sometimes reading Scripture. Sometimes it can feel like a long time between God speaking, but he gives us momentous tasks and opportunities. He's called us as a church. He's called us as his people into this world to go and make disciples, to be sent as the Father sent Jesus, to have the power of God's Spirit and be witnesses. And all of this is his calling, and he hasn't changed directions yet. And through the changes and the transitions that we experience, we go back to these touchstones. We go back and we are confident, confident in the promises and the character of God. We continually go back to that point. Second touchstone, how to retain direction and focus. Verses 7 to line, look what we see there. He says, and be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the law my servant Moses gave you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left that you may be successful wherever you go. Keep this book of the law always on your lips. Meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. Second touchstone. Very simply put, be strong. But where does strength come from? Be strong in obedience and in truth. You see, strength really comes from knowing the will of God and the word of God. Obedience, knowing God's will and walking according to it. To live in accordance with the plans that he has for you. To live in accordance with his character and what he calls you to. To recognize temptation and be moving towards holiness. And to do that, we need to be grounded in a truth, which is the word of God. Which, it's really at the heart of this section, isn't it? Just look at verse 8 again. It says, so keep this book of the law always on your lips. Meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. Isn't it interesting? He doesn't say, I want you to work harder. You know, I want you to really dig in and, uh, and do all that you possibly can. I want you to be strong and courageous. I want you to face great tests and trials. You know, go out of your way to find opposition so that you can stand now, what does he say? He says, spend your time in my word and be obedient to what you're reading. This is where your strength and your courage is going to come from. Your success is going to come as you know my word and as you do my will. See, if we're going to be strong and courageous, it has nothing really to do with our inner resolve. It has with what you know I can conjure up for myself and how I can kind of make myself think I'm going to be able to face the, the, uh, the misfortunes of life and somehow that stiff upper lip kind of mentality. It's not even like the little train that thought it could. You remember that story? You know, going up the hill, I think I can, I think I can, I think I can. It probably, for most of us, we can't. <laughs> Right? There is something good about, you know, visualization and athletes talk about that. You've got to have a strong picture. But this isn't about kind of self-actualization. God's strength and courage comes from God. It comes from knowing His Word. It comes from spending time in it. 
spending time understanding who he is. It's where prosperity and success is going to be come, coming from. And it's not, it's God calling us to be a people of the book. And I thank God that our heritage as a people has been that we are a people of his word. You know, this is where we want to find ourselves. This is why you come Sunday mornings and, uh, and allow speakers to get up and spend 30 to 40 minutes, you know, opening God's Word to you. It's why we have community groups during the week that we go back into God's Word. It's why we call you to be in situations where you can grow together as a people. And when we have doubts, we need to know that we are faithful to His truth. And we're going to look for that continually in our leadership. And we look to you as a people to continually be prodding our leadership. Are we faithful to the word? Is this what the word says? To be like that church in Berea that constantly went back after Paul spoke and said, is this what the word says? You know, we need to found ourselves in this word so that our strength and our courage will be founded upon who Christ is. See, we can act in obedience in the face of conflict and persecution and temptation. That we can understand the spirit at work as he kind of demonstrates or roots out those spiritual wounds. You're reminded of what Paul says in Ephesians 6. We studied this a little while ago. Ephesians 6 at the end when he talks about the armor of God. How does he start that section off? He says, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. How? How are we strong in the Lord and His mighty power? He says there's this armor you have to put on. Quick review. He says, put on the belt of truth, the breastplate of righteousness, feet fitted with the gospel of peace. You'll find the shield of faith, the helmet of salvation, the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Do you realize that that armor is really about appropriating the truth of who you are in Jesus Christ? The armor, each one of those pieces of armor is about understanding how Christ is at work in your life. That Christ, by His Spirit, will grant you the truth to be able to discern what is going on in this world and stand against temptation. That the breastplate of righteousness allows you to see temptation as it comes and to stand in Him because you are fitted with His righteousness. And on and on it goes. See, the, the whole being strong in the Lord, put on the armor of God is, and take up the word of God. It's a sword, but it's also where we find our foundation. And that passage ends with, and pray. Pray in the Spirit on all occasions, with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the saints. This is where strength and courage is found. It's found in our obedience to the Word of God. It's found in our being fitted with the Word of God. And it's founded in really the heart of our spiritual warfare. You see, courage, if courage is found in the truth of God, discouragement is really rooted in the lies of the enemy. Discouragement comes as he, he gains a foothold. It's those nagging little doubts, did God really say? It's those moments when we are wounded and we're unable to find forgiveness of someone else. And the enemy was able to take that 
and to take those wounds of our lives and, and add a lie that, you see, God isn't faithful, or see, you do deserve more, or that person needs to be, you know, somehow chastised. And we allow this bitterness. And the heart of this spiritual warfare is to root out the lies so that we can be obedient to God's truth. I'd encourage you that when you're feeling that kind of downcast spirit upon you, that you ask God, God, where is your truth in this? Open my heart that I'll understand this. So our touchstones. We're called to be confident in the character of God. To be strong in the word and in the will of God. And the last one is found in these last whole section. I'm not going to read all of it, but just verses 10 and 11. What does he say? So Joshua orders the officers of the people. Go through the camp and tell the people, get your supplies ready. Three days from now you will cross the Jordan here to go in and take possession of the land the Lord your God is giving you for your own. What's this last touchstone? It would just be ready. Be ready. In our context, it's be ready to do the work of the gospel. Be ready to understand what God calls us to. In Israel, they're being called to take possession of this land that is before them. Do you understand the years of work that that's going to be involved? There are other nations in the land. In fact, they go in and they say there's giants in the land. There is fear. There's going to be a hardship. But God has said, I will take you in and I will do it for you. And they are to be ready for this. You know, they had some very physical things to do to, do to get ready. They had to get their supplies ready. They had to kind of pack everything up. But I think there was also this readiness of heart. Be ready to go and take possession of what I am giving to you. We're called to be ready. We're called. We need to be preparing ourselves. We need to be honing our character in Christ. We need to be honing our relationship with God. We need to be developing our relationship together so that as a community together, we are able to support and build up and encourage. As we studied back in Ephesians 4, that we might all be coming into that maturity in Jesus Christ. So we are called to God's purposes together, and we need to be ready for that. So we're called to be confident in the in the promises and the character of God. We're called to be strong in His Word and in His will. And we're called to be ready. We're called to be ready to move forward with the gospel. We're called to be ready to accomplish the tasks that are, are for us and ahead of us. And we all know that we live in an incredibly changing world. That the North End is changing so much. And our, our vision as a people has been for 135 years to bless the north end. It's our primary focus. But as it changes, part of our dynamic moving forward is saying, oh God, you aren't changing. But this neighborhood is changing, and so how are we going to change with it? How are we going to communicate in a new way? Who are the new people that you have for us? Because the gospel does not change. 
The gospel is still that which we are called to share and be ready to become who God needs us to be to share it. And so we call you as a people to celebrate together, to come together and know God's presence, to grow together, to, to be in some manner and in, in smaller groups and situations where you're being fed into in ways that, that you can uh, share your ideas and, and understand what's happening in other people's lives. We're called to serve together. Be involved in ministry in which your gifts can be poured out for the good of the body and for this neighborhood. And we grow intentionally in these kind of relationships. So all of these things are things that God calls us to be. And in days of transition, that we go back to those touchstone moments where we regain our focus. And we're confident in who God is. We're strong because the word of God is strong among us. And we are ready to be and to do what God calls us to do. And a big preparation for us as a church as we move into the days ahead of us is how are we going to find God's man for us that he has as a new pastor. And so this morning we're going to take a little bit of time in this service now because we're going to introduce our search committee. The elders have been spending time over the last few weeks and talking to a lot of you and we are ready this morning to introduce our search committee that's going to lead us into this whole process as a church together in praying and seeing who God has for us. Because I believe God is preparing someone to come and lead us as much as he's preparing us to follow them. So I'm going to invite Dave Heska to come up at this time. Uh, worship team, you can come up at this point as well. Just don't confuse the team. They're not the search committee. <laughs> Dave's going to introduce the search committee up the front here. <laughs> 